0: Well, listen, we are in part three of a series uh, we've been in over the last uh, few weeks, and uh, Scott, I guess, no, actually, today's part four of a series we've been in over the last few weeks, and uh, we've been talking about uh, the subject of engage. We're learning how to, to win the everyday battles of our lives. Anybody ever face any battles? I know, I know if you're normal, you have battles, you have challenges, there are things that come against you, especially as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's the reason why I really felt burdened about this subject matter, because I just, I know if I'm walking through something, and I'm experiencing something in my life, I've come to realize after doing this for over 30 years, that if I'm experiencing something, chances are a lot of other people are experiencing the same thing. And I faced day-to-day battles, and I know you do too, and we all have different kinds of battles that we face, but a battle is a battle, and we need to learn how to overcome them rather than those, those challenges or those setbacks really taking over and overcoming us, and so as we think about this over the last few weeks, we've been learning what it means to put on, to wear The full armor of God. And if you're new with us today, maybe today is your first time joining with us. And maybe contextually you're not up to speed. That's okay. Let me just encourage you. You can go to our YouTube channel. Check out weeks one and two and three. And it will bring you into uh, really just a, a great context of what we're learning. What we're ultimately applying to our everyday lives. But at the end of the day, here's what we know to be true. Satan is... The father of lies. Turn to your neighbor and say, the devil is a liar. Because that's a fact. No question about it. The Bible calls him the father of lies. And not only is he the father of lies, one of the things that's interesting is that in Revelation 12 verse 10, it says that he is also the accuser of Christians. He is the accuser of the brethren. What does that mean? That simply means that his number one goal is to put you down. His number one goal is to defeat you, to discourage you, to confuse you, to intimidate you, to cause you to doubt, to ultimately weaken you to the point where you want to just throw in the towel and quit, to where you embrace the idea, the lie that, you know what, I tried the church thing, I tried the God thing, I tried the Jesus thing, it didn't work for me. And sadly and unfortunately, that's Satan's goal. He wants to trip us up, and that's the reason why we can't live in a passive way. We have to be proactive in our faith if we're going to win the everyday battles that we fight. And that's the reason why we've been learning how to apply this, because at the end of the day, Satan hates God. He hates everything that God has created. And you know what part of God's creation Satan hates the most? You. That's right. He hates you. He hates me. And there is nothing more that the enemy wants than to come after you. Because here's the deal. God, excuse me, Satan cannot hurt God. It's impossible for the devil to hurt God. But he does have access to you. Therefore, his agenda is to hurt you. If you want to get to a parent... you want to get to the heart of a parent the fastest way to get to the heart of a parent is to hurt one of their children you want to hurt me you just try hurting one of my kids because there's nothing more near and dear to my heart than my children and I just want to say this what we have to realize is that God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. That's the reason why He made you. God made you as a part of His own creation. You are made in the very image of God. Think about this for a moment. God made you so He could love you. God made you so He could know you. So that He could have a relationship with you. And so therefore there is nothing that means more to god than for you to know him and to love him back and you know what that's called that's called worship well guess what there is a war for our worship and i often refer to it as the invisible war and so sometimes it's hard to see i mean we see it now perhaps now more than ever there's so much stuff going on in our world so much Turmoil taking place in our culture, in our society today, and people now more than ever seemingly are walking in a state of hopelessness and confusion and despair. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy, again, cannot hurt God, but he can hurt you. And so therefore, the number one goal and agenda he has is to take you out. You probably have heard the statement, God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, Satan... Here's what his th- statement is. He hates you and has a miserable plan for your life. And so that's the reason why the Apostle Paul was writing to a group of Christians in a place known as Ephesus. While he's chained to a Roman centurion, a prison guard if you will. While he's in jail for preaching the good news of, of the gospel. His whole dream was to make it to Rome. And after he gets to Rome, after all the battles that he had fought just to get there... Once he gets there, one of the first things that happens, he gets arrested and he's thrown in jail. Basically, now he's in prison and he's waiting for his death sentence. And while he's in prison, he's chained to a Roman centurion, this guard. And as he's writing, excuse me, as he's looking at this Roman soldier, he decides to write a letter. The one thing that he could do, he decides to write a letter to his brothers and sisters in Christ, his spiritual family that's living in this place called Ephesus, a church that he had helped establish. And he's writing to them some words about just the potential that they have. The true riches of Christ Jesus that was living inside of them. And he wanted them to understand the richness of God and the power of God and the potential of God that was at their fingertips. Listen, he wanted to remind them just who they were in Christ and whose they were in Christ. And he wanted them to live out and fulfill their full redemptive potential. And so as he's Chained to this Roman centurion, he begins to look at the the wardrobe, if you will, of the soldier. And he's looking from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet and what he was wearing. The Apostle Paul began to think about the imagery. The powerful metaphor, if you will, of this soldier's armor and what it meant and how it could be applied to his brothers and sisters living there in Ephesus who were fighting spiritual battles just like you and I fight. And we pick up what Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verse 10. And he wraps up his letter and he says these words. He said, he said be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the... All of the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And then he says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith... To stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And put on the salvation as your, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion, and stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So what I'm gonna do for just The next few moments is I just want to highlight a couple of things in this particular passage of Scripture. And I really just want to key in today where Paul the Apostle basically says, take up or put on or take up, hold up the shield of faith. And there's a real reason for that. We're going to unpack that. But here is the reason why we need to hold up the shield of faith. So that we can extinguish or put out the fiery arrows of the evil one. What's interesting about these fiery arrows that Paul is describing here. Is that the thing about the fiery arrows is that when we put on. Or excuse me as we hold up the shield of faith. That shield of ...that these Roman soldiers would use when they were in battle... ...they were very protective in the way that they helped fight off the fiery darts or arrows. And one of the things that's interesting about arrows... ...is that arrows, they come at you and they come rather quickly. Many times they come multiple at a time. And so let me just kind of unpack a few things about arrows... In fact, one of the things I did this week is I uh, do what I like to do. and I like to create acrostics. and uh, Because I think there's just something about the imagery of an acrostic or an acronym that sometimes just helps put it all into perspective. And also helps us to remember just how these fiery darts or these fiery arrows can come at us in multiple, multiple ways. For example, the A can come in the form of accusations. Have you ever been accused of something? Maybe a friend or a coworker just says something about you to other coworkers or other people that is just simply not true. Maybe you're a student, a friend at school has spread a rumor or said something behind your back to another group of friends that has caused those group of, friend, those group of friends to turn on you because they believe the lie that's floating around some bogus rumor. And what is it? That is an accusation. Well, guess what? We have, a, we, have a, we have a real enemy. His name is Satan, the devil. And what is his nickname? He is the father of lies. So therefore, he's going to lob arrows, those fiery arrows that you, often in the form of accusations. Where things are just being said that are not true. Things that are, that are maybe just floating around. Maybe just through conversations that are not accurate and do not speak the truth. And yet the enemy wants to do what? He wants to, to pervert. He wants to distort. He, he wants to, to basically do anything and everything he can. And often he will use accusations to cause you to lose your confidence in yourself. To lose confidence in God. To, use, to lose confidence in people. And so therefore... If he can cause you to walk around wounded and hurt because of accusations, then he knows he's got you. Another way that these fiery arrows come at us is off, often through the form of resistance. In other words, things just get hard. Have you ever noticed when you've actually tried to do something out of the goodness of your heart? And I'm just going to get real practical. Maybe it is to take some proactive steps to start growing in your marriage. To improve your marriage relationship. Or maybe just grow in your family relationships. You, you actually t- try to take some proactive steps to start spending more time together as a family. And all of a sudden you're just met with resistance. Just stuff starts coming up. Stuff you had on the calendar now has to get canceled because something else comes up. And competes with the very thing you're working so hard to try to, try to do. Maybe it's trying to get out of debt. And so therefore, you start working hard to, to, to pay off some debt. And, and what happens, the more you work towards paying off debt, the more unexpected expenses that suddenly comes your way. And all of a sudden, now it's like taking two steps forward, one step back. And it's this resistance. It's like, what in the world is going on? You ever encountered anything like that? So you have accusations and you have resistance, but you also sometimes just have this spirit of rebellion. And sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, I know you have too, we've all been guilty because we all have a bent towards badness. And here's the issue, the reality is is that sometimes we can reach a place in our heart where we just have this spirit of, you know what, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what, the, 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 what's right in my own eyes. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And so we have this spirit oftentimes of rebellion. I'm just going to do it my way. Maybe you have some kids like that if you're a parent. Maybe one of the things that just burdens you the most is you have a son or a daughter who's just living outside the will of God. And they're just doing it, doing life their way. They're bent on doing it their way. And as a parent, you just you feel like you're in a helpless in a in, in a situation where you can't really speak into it. All you can do is just pray, but yet at the same time it rips your heart out because you see them on a path of self-destruction. Spirit of rebellion. We see it happening in our culture. We see it happening literally everywhere. You know what the Bible refers to? Actually, it links rebellion to witchcraft. It's a form of evil, and it is a rebellious spirit that basically has a clenched fist towards God, saying, "I'm going to do it my way rather than your way, God." Sometimes the evil one, once again, to the father of lies, because he's the father of lies, will try to get us. To rationalize and justify to where we convince ourselves that doing it my way is right. Another thing that happens oftentimes is the O, which stands for opposition. In other words, this is where you're just fighting against something that just has an an opposing view. I mean, they're just opposite from where you are, opposite of your convictions, your values, your beliefs. Maybe you feel led to go this direction, but maybe you're surrounded by people they want to go the opposite direction. And it just seems like, you know, there's just always that opposition that you're fighting, and you seemingly can't gain ground. And then you have worry. You know, it's the enemy. The enemy will often kind of just, you know, lob those fiery arrows. He'll... He'll shoot the fiery arrows at us time and time and time again to the point of he'll just beat us down. Why? Because he wants us, he wants us to, to grow fearful. Listen, he wants to strike fear in our hearts. He, he wants to intimidate us. He wants to accuse us. He wants to make life hard. He wants to do anything and everything he can to trip us up, to defeat us and discourage us, to overwhelm us. And all of a sudden, you know, when you are faced with all of these, all of these different things and the, the resistance and the opposition and the hardships and the trials and all the stuff, guess what? You're going to get stressed out. You're going to get worried. You're going to get There's feelings of anxiousness and anxiety. And why? Because you feel like life is out of control. Your world is spinning out of control. Your marriage maybe isn't working. Kids aren't acting right. You know, things aren't going well at, 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 you know, at work. Or maybe there's just some challenges, some setbacks. And all of a sudden, you have all of these things that seemingly are coming against you. And what happens? We sit around and we think about it. We worry about it. We stew on it. And that's the very thing the enemy wants you to do. Of course, the the S are just the struggles. Whether it's financial struggles, a marriage that's struggling, family that's struggling, a career that's struggling, fill in the blank. health struggles, whatever it might be. All of these things, over time, beats us down. So what do we do? What do we do... If we're in that situation, what do we do if we're just taking arrow after arrow after arrow, and not just fire, not just arrows, but fiery arrows? And let me explain to you something that I think we all need to be reminded by today and reminded with today. When we are taking up the shield of faith, we have to keep in mind that we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from a place of victory. We have to remind ourselves because of Jesus Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection of Jesus. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of his resurrection and the resurrection power. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, it goes through a whole list of things and challenges that come against this. And the Apostle Paul wraps it up by saying, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. So, how does a shield, in taking up that shield, help us win the everyday battles of our life? Two things. Number one is this. It's for our protection. Taking up, holding up the shield of faith is designed to protect us. Now again, when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, he's not basically saying to physically put on the armor... He's basically using the armor as a metaphor or a word picture of how we are to arm ourselves to go into battle every single day. Listen to this. Spiritually and mentally. In other words, we are making spiritual and we are making mental preparation for the everyday battles that we face. That way we don't go to work, we don't go to school, we don't, listen, we don't wake up, go unprepared, we don't, we're not undressed, no, we are putting on the full armor. We're putting on all of God's armor so that we are prepared, so that we are being proactive and therefore because we are now ready mentally and spiritually to take on whatever, whatever fiery arrows the enemy wants to use to defeat us and discourage us in our lives. So, the first thing it does is that it, it helps in our area of protection. I was doing a little back study on the type of shields that these Roman soldiers used, and it was interesting. Is that you know we may think in our mind you know these Roman soldiers had these really cool looking shiny you know um, shields, if you will, you know kind of like you know uh, the you know Captain America or something you know had that that shield well that 's not necessarily the kind of shields that they used they would, were almost in many ways almost like a small wooden door and they were, they were holding these they were, excuse me they would take these these large um, wooden shields, if you will, and what they would do is they would put several layers of leather on top of the outer part of of the shield and the reason why they put those pieces of leather on there was because often what happens when the when the enemy was either firing arrows at them or they were striking them with some kind of a weapon, they were there to help not only defend and protect, but often sometimes it would basically they would grab a hold of or stick into the leather. But here's something even more specific that was intriguing to me is that often before battle, these soldiers would take those shields that they would make, they would put those strips of leather on them. And then they would soak them in water before they went into battle. And the reason why they did that is so that the moisture from the shield as they held it up, as the fiery arrows were being sent from the opposing forces, those shields as they held them up, the moisture, the water that was contained in that leather would help extinguish the fiery arrows that were coming against them. Now, that's really intriguing to me, and the reason why. why, because the fiery arrows are significant. Why did they shoot fiery arrows? Why did the enemy use that kind of tactic and strategy? Because fire is destructive. And not only is fire destructive, but here's the other issue about fire. Fire, if it's not put out or extinguished, fire destroys and it spreads, right? And that's exactly what the enemy tries to do. Through all of those forms that I just shared a few moments ago, and maybe in the, in the way the enemy tries to attack you, he wants to get inside of your mind and get inside of your heart. Why? Because he wants all of that to spread throughout your life, to spread throughout your marriage, to spread throughout your family, to literally take over and consume and destroy every area of your life. So we have to keep in mind that, listen, we are fighting a real enemy, a spiritual adversary, and he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And the arrows that he is firing at us, listen, they are by design. They are to take you out. And we have to protect ourselves from those fiery arrows. One of the things that I think is is important that we realize when it comes to The kind of shield that God wants us to have is to be able to put our our mind at ease to where we are not having to fight the battle ourselves. But no, when we are encountering all of these fiery arrows, we have a choice. And that choice is, is that God, I'm going to allow your power to be manifested in and through my life so that your power enables me to be able to stand strong and to stand firm against the fiery arrows the enemy is lobbing at me. And how do we do that? By trusting in the promises of God. I love what Hebrews, excuse me, and what, it, uh, what the psalmist said in Psalm 3.3, it says it this way, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. So here's what we have to realize. When we experience these challenges and these these things that are coming against us, we have to make the decision in our heart. Am I going to focus on all of these things that are coming against me? Or am I going to stand firm on the truth and on the promises of God's Word, And here's what I think is important for us to realize when it comes to this whole issue of standing firm in our faith. Because the fiery arrows are designed to weaken our faith. But God's word and his shield is designed to help strengthen our faith. So that no matter what my feelings feel, no matter what my eyes see, no matter what my ears hear, I'm going to stand on the truth and on the promises of God's word. So let me ask, ask you a question. Whatever arrows that are coming against you right now, if it's affecting your marriage, if it's affecting one of your kids, if, if it is causing you to doubt God, question God, if, if you are Maybe in a season or in a situation right now, maybe in your career, and you've just kind of lost your hope and your, your dream. You, you, you've lost that, that desire to keep moving forward where you just want to quit and throw in the towel. Let me ask you a question what are you going to do? Are you going to focus on all the things that are not working? Or are you going to focus on the truth that God is still in control? The God is still at work. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not even hear any positive affirmation going on around you. But just because you don't feel it, see it, hear it, doesn't mean that God is not on the throne and in control. So we have to stand on the promises of God because that's basically what faith is. Listen, notice Paul didn't say, take up the shield of belief. No, because faith and belief are two different things. You see, faith is acting on what you already believe. So it's kind of like the riddle, you probably have maybe heard this before, but it's about the five frogs that were sitting on a log. You ever heard this before? There are five frogs sitting on a log. Four of them decided to jump off. How many are left on the log? How many think one? Five. You know why? Because all five decided. Some of you are thinking, I don't get it. The reason why you don't get it is because you have to take action. Listen, deciding is not good enough. Some of us... (laughs) We read the Bible, we come to church, we listen to Z88, Save for the Little Years, we know all the worship songs, we'll go to Night of Joy, you know, sing, hold up our hands with all the Christian people, we got the bumper sticker on our car, Rethink Life Church. Y'all got the Rethink Life Church bumper little magnets, right? Oh my gosh, we're, come on everybody, we gotta get the magnets going. But go with me. Most of us are not acting on what we already know to be true. And for many of us, We know we should tithe, but we don't. For some of us, we know we should get baptized, but we haven't. For some of us, we know we should grow in our faith, and we know the importance of taking important steps to grow in our faith and surrounding ourselves with other believers to help us grow in our faith, but we don't. We know it's important because the church can only be as good and effective and strong as the people who help get involved to help push the ball down the field to take more turf through volunteering and serving on the dream team so that we can win our city for Jesus, but we don't serve. So we know a lot of things to be true, but here's the deal. At some point, we got to act out in faith faith and actually put works to our faith. Because the Bible says, listen, faith without works is what? It's dead. It's useless. It's meaningless. But here's what the scripture says. It is impossible to please God without faith. So at the end of the day, if we're going to put out the fiery arrows that come against us, we got to hold up. The shield of faith. And how do we hold up the shield of faith? We hold up the shield of faith by acting on our beliefs. So, therefore, when we put on, listen to this, the belt of truth, when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, purity in our lives, when we put on the gospel shoes of the good news of Jesus Christ and his peace and guess what? When we put on the truth, when we put on righteousness we put on the shoes of the gospel and what are we doing? We are acting on our faith when we hold up the shield of faith. So we're acting on what we know to be true. And that's something that's so vitally important. I heard somebody say something The other day that I thought was so powerful. That when we are not acting in obedience to what God wants us to do. We open ourselves up for attack from the devil's fiery arrows so, listen, if you are going through a lot of stuff right now and there just seems to be a lot of opposition and resistance and maybe worry and, and, and accusations and all these things that you're going through, could it not be that maybe there's some areas in your life where you are not acting out in faith and being strong and firm in your faith and doing the very things that God has already called you and asked you and told you and led you to do? And if we don't do those things, then all we're doing is we're opening ourselves up to more and more arrows that the enemy is lobbing at us every single day. It's walking by faith, not by sight, that allows us to live in victory in our everyday lives. So the shield of faith not only is for our protection, but the shield of faith is also for our unification. You know, as I was kind of learning and kind of just unpacking some stuff about the way that these soldiers would fight. It was really fascinating because not only did those, those shields, as I stated earlier, have a unique purpose with the leather and the way they would soak that leather, leather to help, you know, defend those fiery arrows, but another cool thing about those shields was that the shields on the side basically had beveled edges, and so what these Roman soldiers would do, these centurions, when they were going out onto the battlefield, here's what they would do. They would stand side by side, and what they would do is they would hook up their shields together. In other words, they would form like this protective wall. And therefore, in unison, they would all march towards the opposing force as they begin to take ground. But they did it because they were unified. They were hooked together. And I thought to myself, man, what a powerful picture of what the church, the body of Christ, should be all about. Where we are being unified together it's an incredible, incredible force when it comes to fulfilling God's plan and God's purpose for every single one of us. You see, the spiritual battles that we face each and every day, we cannot win those battles fighting in isolation. We need To be standing together, hooked together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we're only gonna win those battles as we stand together in victory with one another. You know, the Bible is full of one another's pray for one another, encourage one another, support one another, stand with one another, care for one another, love one another, pray for one another. It's tons of one another's. And I love what the scripture says in Philippians 2, too. It says, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity. With one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose. And you will fulfill my heart with unbounded joy. We've all perhaps have heard the quote, united we stand and divided we fall. You know what I believe breaks the heart of God more than anything? Is to see his children. To see his spiritual family. His sons and daughters of the faith. To see the body of Christ. Take their shields. And rather than standing together, hooked together, joined together as one powerful force, one mind, one heart, one spirit, one purpose joined together. You know what many believers do? Here's what we do. We take our shields and we turn them towards each other. And you know what we start doing? We start comparing and we start criticizing and critiquing each other's shields. We're like, well, I don't like his shield. Her shield's more expensive than mine. But his shield, his shield isn't as good as mine. Or, or, or that shield, it, 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 it's never going to stand up against all that stuff going on out there. Or, you know what? That shield, that's not, that's not deep enough for me. Oh, that shield, that, sh- that, that, that shield, that costs a lot of money. I can't afford that shield. Did you hear what so and so said about so and so's shield? You wouldn't believe what this person is doing with their shield. And this is what goes on with brothers and sisters in Christ, in the body of Christ. And guess who is on the sideline laughing and having a field day? The devil, who's out there still killing this joy. And if he can't get you from the outside, guess what he's going to do? He's going to sneak in the back door and get you from the inside. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy divides. The enemy creates drama. He likes to stir the pot and create chaos and drama and accusations and hurts and create these offenses and everybody is all upset and everybody's offended and hurt. Well, she said this about my shield and well, he he didn't like my shield and and he thought his shield was better than mine and, and I've been doing shields for all these years and he won't give me any respect because I'm trying to get my shield going and everybody's just talking about their shields. And the enemy's going, these people, clueless. Man, what a bunch of suckers. There's a world dying and going to hell. Over 50,000 cars a day literally pass up and down this road called Narcusia Road. And the bigger question we ought to be asking ourselves is this. Where are these people going spiritually? What destiny do they have? And we got a world that is living in chaos and fear, is paralyzed with all of its problems. And you know what? We're sitting here comparing and critiquing and criticizing one another's freaking shields. And the enemy all along is just firing arrow after arrow after arrow. And guess what? Those flames are destructive, and they're spreading like wildfire. And it's time for the church to hook up. It's time for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to stand firm in our faith, to take up the shield of faith, and with one mind, with one heart, listen, with one spirit, with one purpose, to advance Listen, the kingdom of God on earth until every lost soul is one in faith through Jesus Christ. And the greatest single need of the hour for us today, the greatest single need for the, of the hour is for us at Rethink Life Church to take more turf. I'm telling you, the last 30 days, Everything was going great until we signed an agreement, a contract on a piece of property. You would not believe, you would not believe the stuff that people will say and the things that people will do. I'm like, well, where were they 30 days ago? And what's crazy is that the enemy does not like what Rethink Life Church is trying to do to reach people who are lost without God, who matter to God. And do you think the enemy is excited? You think he's over here thinking, oh man, that's wonderful, good for them. He is ticked off at the fact that a group of people here at Rethink Life took a step of faith, we leveraged everything we could to help advance, to help closed the deal and now we're taking more steps. We're taking, listen, we're going after bigger dreams. We're taking, listen, we're going to take more and more turf back from the enemy by taking the opportunity that God has placed in front of us to build a church. Why? Because listen, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the very thing that this world needs. And God said, Jesus said, I will Build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. I'll close with this, because I'm, now I'm getting preaching. Michelle and I walked in to a restaurant the other day, and... It was a gentleman that we met not too long ago. We learned about his restaurant. And uh, so he invited us to come. And so we've made a couple of visits over there to support him. He's a small uh, local business here in the community. And we walked in. He doesn't go to church. And, of course, he knows about our church. And so we walked in the other day and... First thing he said out of his mouth, he goes, hey, I saw your sign. I said, you did? He said, yeah. He said, I drive by it every day. He said, every day when I pass by, I see your sign. He said, it just makes me smile. Because he knows that we had been trying to purchase some land. And Michelle and I, of course, we're praying that God's going to open the door and work it out for him to be able to come to our church because he works. You know, he has his own business. He works most Sundays, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, there's people like him, and people like your neighbors, people in your family, people in your school campus, people in your neighborhood who are lost and need Jesus. And whatever we do, whatever we do Listen, we got to put on the belt of truth. We got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We got to put on the shoes of the gospel that carries the good news of peace in Jesus Christ. And we got to stand firm and hold up the shield of faith to fight off the fiery arrows that the enemy wants to use to defeat you and discourage you and to distract you and to trip you up. Let me just remind you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God is for you, who in the world can be against you? Let me just encourage you today, before you walk out of these doors, let me encourage you to keep your head held up high. Don't let the devil defeat you, discourage you. Listen, don't let the devil confuse you. Listen, you just keep acting in faith and acting on the truth of the word of God. You stand your ground, stand in faith. And listen, God is going to help you win the battles that you are facing. Because with God, all things are possible. Amen? Come on, somebody. We're fighting a good fight, and it's worth fighting for. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, that we get to stand on that truth, your, your firm, unshakable foundation. God, we build our lives. We build our homes. We build our futures. We build everything upon the truth of your word. Lord, I pray if there are those here today, Lord, that maybe have grown to to doubt. Lord, I pray that today that they would doubt their doubts and believe their beliefs today. God, I pray that today that they would embrace, Lord, the truth of your word. That they would act on that faith and act on your word. Lord, that they would take those steps, whatever steps they need to take. Lord, that they would take them in obedience. Lord, there is nothing that activates faith more than our obedience. So, Father, I pray that today that we would take those obedient steps and whatever we need to do. And if there are those here today or maybe watching online who have never put their faith in Jesus, if you're here today and you're unclear, you're uncertain about where you stand with Jesus, would you pray this prayer in your heart? Just say, Dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died and you arose again. And by faith, I invite you into my life to save me and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. As as our heads are bowed and the eyes are closed, if you happen to have prayed that prayer just then, you're here in the room, would you let me know by just holding up your hand high? Just hold it high toward heaven today saying, hey, count me in. I just prayed that prayer and I ashamed to admit it. That's awesome. It's wonderful. Thank you. Anybody else? Father, we thank you for these that lifted their hands. Father, we just celebrate God, your goodness. God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you that even when things may seemingly God, just appear as though they're falling apart. God, I pray that once again, your shield would surround us, would uphold us. God, that your shield would protect us from the lies of the evil one. And God, today we would stand firm in faith. We would hold up that shield. And God, we would move forward in faith knowing that you are with us. Pray this today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening.